What is up, everybody? We are back again. Week technically two in my book, week one in everybody else's book. Uh, what a week it was. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for coming over and celebrating the dog's victory. Oh, thank you for the invite. That was a ton of fun. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So I think everybody had a pretty good time. Um, yeah, so like we just said, you came over. It was a good little Saturday that we had. It was, football games were insane. We're going to dive into all that. Um, and then as far as like... What did you enjoy the party? Because I was really nervous. Yeah. Okay, no, we had, we had a great time. Yep, okay, yep, we had a great time, Perfect. and uh, yeah, and Lily and I have been doing the uh, sober September, but Alan <laughs> tested my resolve. <laughs> Look, it was it was meant to be after a game uh, like that. Oh no, it was a great great evening. We had a ton of fun. Thank Put, you for the invite. You're welcome, man. Put a couple back, and then we should be good. So. Anyway, all right, so this is the fan section. What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for coming. Sitting from section 100 to section 300, Bleachers to the Suites, welcome, everybody. I'm your host, Alan. That is my co-host, Tyson. We're just two dudes uh, talking college, dropping knowledge. Before we start, I want to take the time to ask you to like, subscribe, leave us a five-star review. Promise to read it on air. Also, to go over to Twitter handle, the fan section, and if you have want to get in the mailbag, section one at gmail.com. So, with the intro out the way... Basically, like, what an introduction to college football, right? Like, we had a ton of games that some went down to the wire, some were defensive struggles. We're going to talk about it all. We're going to highlight a couple games. We had our little side bet that we're going to talk about as well, and we're also going to talk about our who we think is technically the top four teams. I want to do top six because usually it's like top four and then you know the first two out, so it's really the top six. Um, well, and, and when we do that, and we'll cover it when we get there, but yeah. but that's like top four based off of performance, what we've seen, not you know storied heritage yes. and how well they did last year and Absolutely. all this other crap that that people generally bake into that. No, 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 you prove it on the football field. Absolutely, it's the, it's who is to us, and I think we might I think we might be on the same page this week. But who's the best four teams mm-hmm. right now that will step onto the field Saturday? That, that if the playoffs started. These are the teams that should be in it. Yeah. And the take the SEC out of it. We're going to talk about – we're just going to dive into it, man. So, like, as far as the the top four games that I want to talk about today, um, I want to dive into Wisconsin-Penn State, Notre Dame-FSU, Clemson-Georgia, Oklahoma-Tulane. I feel like those four games, we highlight, we talked a little bit about them. We highlighted them for sure. Um, and then what were your four teams or four games that you picked? Uh, I mean, a couple of them that really sprung out at me. That LSU at UCLA game. Okay. Uh, boy, that lived up to all it did. of the hype, I it think. Uh, Indiana-Iowa completely crushed my weekend. And uh, and then Boise State and UCF was uh, last Thursday, I believe. That What a great kickoff to the college football season. Absolutely. But, I Absolutely. mean, just, just looking at it sort of big picture – I mean, what what were what were your thoughts? Anything stand out to you as being sort of a, a trend, as being uh, aside from just the excitement of, of college football being back? So the the fans, yeah, that's the biggest thing I think for me that stood out was because like that's one of the things that you saw some teams struggle with this week was the crowd noise. I didn't expect a neutral site game, and I'm talking Clemson, Georgia. To literally sound like an away game for both offenses on the field at the right. same time. That was insane. And right. that, kudos to the fans that came out to Charlotte. I know that Georgia, the, like, they had all their t- all 2,000 of their tickets were sold within, like, 30 seconds, basically. Uh, I think each I – th- I don't know how many Nord- Nord- Clemson got, but I'm assuming it's probably around, you know, 2,000, 3,000. But that, that stadium was sold out. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of people – I'm on this, I'm on this uh, private group on Facebook that were actually at the game, you know, filming live. Just, like, the flyover and it, it, just the atmosphere – yeah, I'm I'm getting tingly's talking about oh. it, you know what I mean like oh yeah no I totally I know that that uh, Wisconsin game eight they said eighty thousand fans in the stands and they have that one of my favorite traditions in college football the Camp Randall jump around yes. going into the fourth quarter yes I mean that was just so <laughs> much fun and yeah. the Kinnick wave for Iowa yes I mean just so much fun absolutely and yeah so I just think just the fans honestly just the fans being there um, was was the thing and then. Uh, I know it's week, technically week one, but something that I really want to keep an eye on as the season move forward. You all, you, you all, we kind of really talked about like you. For those of us that are like really into the NFL draft and stuff like that, mm-hmm. at the end of the season's end, what a strong quarterback class last year's class was. This class is super weak. Like they didn't really. There was a couple players like I'm talking Rattler, Howell, and specifically my boy JT Daniels. They didn't play very well mm-hmm. in the sense of. They just made a lot of mistakes. Yeah. It was it was definitely the fir- that week that first game rust, and I want to follow that kind of as the season progresses because there's I had Howell as my number one quarterback, 
Rattler didn't come up to play really. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he didn't he he didn't look good. He just looked really flustered. Mm-hmm. JT Daniels took what the defense gave him a lot. Uh, but yeah, so that's that's one that's a story that I definitely want to keep covering as the week because quarterback play. But there was other quarterbacks like Desmond Ritter played really well. Um, Mertz from Wisconsin played really, and I want to dive into that too. I want to talk about when I talk about Wisconsin Penn State. That's going to be something. It's really just honestly the the reason why I want to talk about that game is. Wisconsin, and we can just dive right into it, man. Like, let's just, like, I'll just Well, I just want to hit on that. that it, uh, I mean, that's exactly where my head was at with the, uh, you know, it's, they call it the week one trap. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, what we saw, defenses thrived as offenses struggled and played sloppy. I mean, you remember last week, uh, Nebraska, Cam Taylor Britt tries to field that punt early in the first quarter of the game against Illinois. He's going back into the end zone. He tries yeah. to throw it out. Yeah. It goes out of the two yard line. Then ends up being a safety. Who would have known that that was a harbinger for week one, right? Yeah. I mean, you have people are talking up big uh, C.J. Stroud at Ohio State. Well, he was, he was okay early with the checkdowns, but when they opened up the playbook, he was missing bad. His mechanics were terrible. He, like, had, a, he had a bad overthrow in the second quarter for an interception. Uh, you mentioned yeah. Spencer Rattler. Mm-hmm. One touchdown, two interceptions. Yep. This is the dude who's supposed to be the Heisman frontrunner. Uh, your, he, first, your first team All Big Ten quarterback Michael Penix Jr. Yeah. threw three interceptions. Could have been five. Should have been five. Two of them go for pick sixes. Yeah, yeah. It's just so the quarterback play was definitely down. And I, like I said, I don't want to like overreact, mm-hmm. but it's definitely something to keep an eye on because it you can overreact to that, and you you can actually be right. Like the quarterback class is significantly weaker this class this this NFL draft period than it was last season. So these quarterbacks, if they wanted to live up to the hype, would have to ball out every single game, honestly. Um, yeah, and- no, no, absolutely, totally get it. Check this out. Week 1 stats in 138 games, 128 interceptions, 320 sacks, an average of six penalties for 55 yards. The, the moral of the story is don't get too high or too low about week 1. My question of that would be to go back to what we kind of first talked about with what was the most exciting part of, of the whole college on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Fans played a part in that. Yeah, absolutely. I guarantee that. Absolutely. I'll take that to the grave. 100% fans was the biggest reason for all of those stats you just mentioned. Penalties. You're going to get penalties, uh, but usually week one comes down, like if it's a really closely like tight contested game, the most disciplined team will win, yep. usually, because you're not giving away free yards in those penalties. Um uh, yeah, so I think and crowd noise definitely came to play. I I want to I wonder what if we can pull up maybe like we're gonna do a, we're gonna do another podcast throughout this week. I wonder if we could pull up maybe that stat that had how many home teams actually won the game. Mm. Like because usually the home games like the home teams win like I think it was like sixty percent of the time. Right. I wonder if it's higher because of this. They didn't have fans last year, really. Or at least hired last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Sure. I just wonder. So, well, I mean, you, I mean, you can't tell me that didn't help Florida State. Oh, it did. Of course it, it did. did. Yeah. I mean, but also, you know, your boy coming in, hadn't played yeah, football in a full year, and yeah. then he just does two, what is it, two back-to-back drives for TDs that, that tied it late? Yeah. yeah he, he played well. He, he put him into overtime for yeah, sure. Absolutely, absolutely. But, yeah, if you want to dive into your All right, game man. there. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, without further ado, I'm going to dive into Wisconsin-Penn State, right? And I, Wisconsin, uh, you, you you might not agree with this, but in my opinion, Wisconsin was in the driver's seat all game. They were they manhandled Penn State. Penn State didn't have any answers. But the problem was Penn State and Wisconsin, Wisconsin couldn't separate. For the first half, there was no score, right? There was sloppy play probably from both sides. Um, and then in the third quarter, you're like, okay, let's make some adjustments. That's usually what happens. You know what I mean? Like, it, a, a credit to the actual coaching. Um, third quarter, they both were able to score a touchdown. Penn State, uh, I think, um, scoring, what, nine? And then Wisconsin was able to get that field goal uh, late. So the, the game didn't really start for me until the last two and a half minutes of the game. And I wrote notes about how um, what I saw based on, on on the last like actual play. So like, um, for example, uh, EJ Brooks was ejected late in the fourth quarter. That's the that was the Penn State's um, probably best defensive player on that team at that time. He was everywhere all over the field. That had a huge momentum swing in Wisconsin's favor. Um, and then because uh, until the three minute mark of the fourth quarter. Sorry, that's when I wrote the note down. Wisconsin didn't have an answer for that defense. They, they did something at halftime because Wisconsin was in the driver's seat mm-hmm. most of the game except for that fourth quarter. And then um, it was 16-10. So knowing a field goal wins, my thinking was 
with that three minute mark, Penn State's driving, right? They're on their own. I think it was like they're on their own like 12. My thinking was if you know the clocks at three minutes, you have, I think at that time they had all three timeouts. I'm letting them score because it doesn't matter that they, them scoring, it's still, it's 17 10, right? It's Mm -hmm. not. It's you still need either a field goal to you're not a field goal is not going to do it for you. You right. still need a touchdown to win. You're going to be down by four regardless. Let them score at that point. So and then that puts all the pressure on Penn State's defense without their best player on the field. You can't tell me that you don't and they and they marched down the field and they were able to come really close. And it's not for that late like last second interception by Mertz. It was just a bad read. I think I feel like it was definitely miscommunication with him and the receiver. Right. Receiver kind of stopped his route. Um, similar to what happened to Justin Fields against Clemson the first time they played in the playoff. Mm-hmm. He stopped his route. That was all week one rust, right? But my thinking was, if you have three minutes, let them score. Um, and some people were like, wait, what? What do you mean let a team score? It's it's a strategy that's been used in the past before. You let a team score because you know that a field goal isn't going to win it. Now, had it been like a 13-10 game, yeah, you're going to do everything you can to keep it. But if you, if you stop them on fourth down... You have to drive the ball roughly 99 yards. You know what I mean? Right. Like, so it doesn't help you field position wise because anything can happen on that kick. Like they could, you could take it back. You 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 know for sure you're getting the ball within the 25 to the 40 at least, right? It just plays into that that factor. Merch was clutch until that last throw of the game. Until about the last, I think it was like really minute that he had the ball. And like I said, I highlighted the miscommunication to him and his receiver. So, do you disagree with any of that? Agree with any of that? What did you see? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you hit the nail on the head in the first half. Yeah, They had two drives into the red zone in the first half, Wisconsin did, mm-hmm. and came away with zero points. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mentioned this to you on Saturday. I told I told my wife, we were watching the game at a sports bar, and I said, it's 0-0. Zero, zero. I said, but Wisconsin is dominating this game. Yes. Why didn't they just... It just blows your mind. Well, they, they went for it once on fourth down and didn't yeah. get it. But and then the second it. drive, they went for the field goal and it got blocked. Mm, yeah. And yeah. so, you know, I mean, but all of that was, I mean, that's that was um, that was rushing yards. You know, they were running the ball. And I think maybe that part of, might have been part of the calculus at the end of the game yeah. is, um, you know, Graham Mertz, he finished 60%, 185 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions. Yeah. And like you said, that last interception Jaquan Brisker got, to seal the game, yeah, that was you know the receiver kind of just stopped his route, mm-hmm. but it, it's not. I I would disagree a little bit. I don't think I think Mertz was managing the game well, but I I don't. It's not like putting the ball in Deshaun Watson's hands at yeah. the end of the game. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like they really would have needed to utilize the running game for a final drive, which makes that style of play yeah. difficult to come from behind, that, right? That's, I think, the biggest difference is Wisconsin has struggled with in the past. They're not a team that's built to come from behind. They're a team that actually keep it. If they're close, great. They still use that because it's that big run game that they really rely on, especially they wanted to go back to that this year. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on as far as the Wisconsin years go forward. Can they keep the lead? Because this team is built to keep a lead. They really are. Emphasis on running the ball when it really counts and when it matters. Um, we talked about that when we were covering that. Yeah, yeah. You, you had talked about how, you know, they need to focus on, you know, dance with the girl that brung you there, yes, right? Ex- Defense exactly. and running the ball. I think that uh, Chiz Malusi, I think they're trying. I mean, he had 121 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. Um, you know, for, for, for those of you Penn State fans, and it's a great win, you should be very happy. But, but listen to these couple of things here, okay? Um, Penn State, uh, so it's credit to uh, Badger Wire. Okay, Wisconsin only had three passing plays for more than 10 yards mm. the entire game. Penn State efficiency, three of 13 on third down, zero of one on fourth down. And Penn State only rushed for 50 yards. The, these were just two teams who could do nothing on offense. Yeah, even though Chaz did finish with on 31 carries on 121 yards, so it's like, okay... But, yeah, the, like, I mean, like I kind of hinted earlier, like, before halftime, they were struggling. And that, mm-hmm. I think crowd noise and I think just the nerves kind of really came into play. It being a big conference game, it was, tw- at the time, I think it was, like, what, 12 versus 19 or something? Mm-hmm. So two top 25 programs at the same time. Mm-hmm. A ton of emphasis on the Big Ten, already kind of out the gate. All that played in. Yeah, it's just it's just frustrating in the sense for Wisconsin, if you're a Wisconsin fan, because yeah. you got away... You, you didn't dance with the girl that brought you. You know what I mean? You got away with your bread and butter. 
in the last moments of that game and trusting I, I'm not against trusting Mertz I, I think that that was a good call I, I want the ball in the quarterback's hands to show the faith and he made some really good throws it was just that he's not he just didn't do enough you know what I mean what do you think but Wisconsin hurt yeah what do you think Wisconsin fans are thinking knowing that they ditched Jack Cohn the now starting quarterback for Notre Dame mm. for Graham Mertz and Jack Cohn had Cone a pretty, damn, he had yeah, a pretty good off. game yeah, uh, wow. I think that it's week one and you shouldn't overreact to mm-hmm. that quite yet. Uh, and Notre Dame, and I'll get into this earlier, shouldn't be ever allowed to go to the playoff, <laughs> the college football playoff, unless they go undefeated four years in a row with the same quarterback. So, yeah, that's just based on me being biased towards Notre Dame in the sense of that I just don't I just don't believe that they're real. Uh, Jack Cohen had a, it fits in a really good system out there for sure, um, but he didn't do enough at the end of that game. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but for Wisconsin fans, your division, okay, Minnesota lost, Northwestern lost, okay? Uh, the only real problem is Iowa got a big win over Indiana. Mm. So you're kind of behind the eight ball on that one. Um, but anyways, yeah, no, I mean, I think there's those are two good teams. Those are two probably very solid uh Number ten to twenty teams in the country. Yeah, you say? yeah. I, they're not better than that. No, no, no. I think they're, they're certainly. They're I think they're both top, good. They're definitely top twenty-five teams. Mm-hmm. I mean, right now Wisconsin's at the bottom of the barrel, looking up at this won't stand, but it's Purdue, Illinois, and Iowa. You know what I mean? Like, right. and Nebraska's one and one. So it's like okay, like obviously you're going to win some games, but this game really did have a big potential for making the Big Ten championship game implication. And I know it's crazy to say because it's you know week one for them, but you can you can still lose the Big Ten in, in the first two first three weeks of the season. You know what I mean? Like especially with teams that are able to kind of run ahead of you. But um, good good bounce back for Penn State after an unimpressive year last ab- year. Absolutely, yeah, good for them. Um, and then what what was your game? Okay, so then I first game I want to cover is that Boise State UCF game. Okay. And I know I you know I I get. We, we want to focus at least por- a portion of this podcast on teams that are kind of outside of the mainstream uh, sort of media. And so Boise State, UCF, I mean, wow, what an incredible game. Mm-hmm. So first of all, this was, I believe it was last Thursday night, and it was weather delayed for almost three hours. Yeah, they, didn't, they didn't finish until like after midnight, yeah. after midnight <laughs> Florida time. This was the game I told you. I love the name of the stadium down there. It's called the Bounce House in Orlando. Yes, <laughs> a ton of fun. The weather the weather didn't deter the fans. They all came pouring back in, and uh, and that was good for them because right out of the gate, UCF takes the ball. Uh, Gus Malzahn just just designs this beautiful drive, and they you know make play after play, short mm-hmm. passes, good runs. Dylan Gabriel marches them right down the field, and then they just got a little too cute. From the five yard line, Gabriel rolls out, and instead of just lowering his head and running into the end zone, he decides to try and make a little throw. Yeah. And uh, the kid uh, LaBeouf, my dude LaBeouf, man, he picked it off in the end zone, ran it back a hundred yards for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that really set the tone. From that point forward, Bachmeyer and, and especially Habibi Likio and Van Buren, they those are the running backs for Boise State, Bachmeyer mm-hmm. being the quarterback. They just dominated that first half along with their defense. Uh, it, it got up to 21 nothing at one point. Uh, and then, you know, Gabriel started leading, leading them back. In the second half, Boise State's offense was just stymied. Yep. The, the, the adjustments that they made at halftime, UCF did on their defense – Really threw Boise State for a loop, and um, Andy Avalos, man, he first year as a coach, he uh, the head coach of Boise State, man, he he really got kind of taken to school by Gus Malzahn absolutely, in that second half. Absolutely, UCF came flying back. Dylan Gabriel looked like a legit quarterback. Ended up with 318 yards, four touchdowns. Mm. Uh, Isaiah Bowser, running back, 170 yards and a touchdown. Um, you know, I mean, I think UCF is looking good. They've played Bethune-Cookman next Saturday. They should stomp all over them and get, you know, a lot of opportunities for the younger cats. On, on the flip side, Boise, Bachmeyer looked real pedestrian in the second half. Mm. And I think maybe they need to lean on that run and then go to get Khalil Shakur, Shakir, the wide receiver, in a, a few more sets. He's he had gone. two touchdowns. Yeah. All you got to do is get him the ball and get him in some open field. Yeah. But uh, that was kind of my – Assessment of of the uh, UCF Boise State game. Um, what, what what were your thoughts on that? Um, so Boise State came to play. 
Um, and it was one of those things where it's like you, you pretty much hit every single nail on the head as far as like what I saw. Um, I'm interested to see if other conferences were watching Boise State. Meaning, was this their kind of audition? Is this their audition year to get into a different conference? Or UCF, too. Or UCF. These are um, two teams that that people, that the word on the street is the Big 12 may be looking at. Yeah. Both of these teams. Exactly. And you just you just wonder, um, was that a good enough performance to get maybe a mid-season, maybe late-season phone call? And I, I don't know yet. I, I think the jury's out. We talked about what they both make as far as, like, money-wise on the revenue on one of these other previous podcasts that we had. Um, and, and our kind of our idea. So as far as Boise State goes, though, I think that um, just the they're, they know who they are. Like their identity has been stretched in stone. This new regime has definitely done a really good job recruiting the players they like. UCF is at the same is at the pinnacle, right? Like right. so, they coming off of that, I think UCF hasn't really lost a step in losing talent each year, which is where you want a program to be. You want to continuously reload, and I think both programs do a really good job at that. Um, I'm not really sold though, as far as UCF being being decent in the coming the coming season. Like there's just something about them. Yes, they were able to to squeak this win out, but you can't struggle against Boise State the way that they did because Boise State jumped on them early. Like it was 14 mm-hmm. to nothing, right? And it was just one of those things oh, yeah, where it's really? like yeah. you, you, if you want to be the team that you you want respect as being a top, you know, a really really good team I think Louisville coming up, Navy coming up, uh, then you have Cincinnati. So it's like, all right, man. Like, and Cincinnati's away. So and Cincinnati looked really good. Yeah, I just think that. UCF, oh, I don't think they're in the class of Cincinnati. No, 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 no for sure. But I, I, they want to be there, mm-hmm. and it's like even their fan base is like, we're there, and I'm like, no, you can't, you can't. It's like, it's like trying to argue with a CSU fan, dude. You just got beat by South Dakota State. You have nothing to talk about. Like, there's nothing you can say. That makes me believe, outside of what you make revenue-wise and where your town is located, mm-hmm. that you belong in, in the in the Big Twelve or the Pac twelve. Well, the Air Force Academy, their athletic department makes more revenue than exactly. Colorado State. So that's what I'm saying. That's why that's where I put UCF right now. Is they're a team, they're the kid looking outside of the homecoming dance through the window because <laughs> they're 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 in eighth grade and they didn't get invited. You know what I mean? Yet. Yeah. But next year, maybe. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like potentially next year, and that's what I—that's going back to my point about they reload and they don't really—they lose talent, but they kind of re- regain it. They haven't regained quite enough talent yet, in my opinion. Yeah. And this is just all my opinion, man. Um, and yeah, and like I said, and that, that was evident them barely, barely getting a win against Boise State. Well, they—they—they they, they certainly locked it down in the second yeah. half after they made those adjustments. They did. But what do you think on the flip side for Boise State? The Mountain West is kind of wide open now, right? With um, Boise looking unimpressive. Yeah. Fresno State looked damn good in the first game, and then they almost beat Oregon on Saturday. Uh, San Jose State looked very good in week uh, zero, and then they played tough at least early against USC. Yeah. Nevada beat Cal. Utah State beat Washington State. Nevada, I think, is like we highlighted them. Carson Strong is for real. Um, San Diego State's really good. Fresno State's going to be solid. San Jose State took, you know what I mean? They didn't look too bad. Uh, well, you know, my my sleeper team in the Mountain West, Wyoming, they yeah. did not look great. No. So. It, yeah, so it's like, okay. Um, it, yeah, it, as far as I think the, the Mountain West, you're right. I think there's definitely three or four teams you could see winning it for sure. Um, uh, Wyoming won the game. I mean, they're 1-0, you know what I mean? So it's like, okay, cool. But you have that mountain. The mountain, I think the winner of the... If it's not Nevada or San Diego State playing in that game, I think the winner of the Mountain West will come out of the mountain for sure. Yeah. Right? Like, I, I'm kind of rooting for Air Force. They have, a pretty, they have a big game coming up this week. I think they play Navy. Let's see they do. That. Yeah, I think yes, they, they play do. Navy. So that'll be an exciting game for them. I always Air Force did look. They looked good this weekend. 35-14 yeah. against yeah. them, yeah. So, um, But then, then any other highlights about Boise State? No, I, th- I think that pretty much covers it. Like yeah. I said, I mean, if you're Boise, it's back to the drawing board. Luckily, you get UTEP next week. Yeah. So, you know, you get an opportunity. But like I said, I think leaning more on Van Buren and Habibi Likio and then trying to get that Khalil secure in more sets. Mm-hmm. Bachmeyer is not, um, you know, he he's not a 
He's a game manager. He's, yeah. he's not a fantastic quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so the next game I want to talk about, and I, uh, I, I did write this one down because I did want to talk about it, um, but it's going to be very, very quick. Bama looks way better than everybody else in the whole wide world, and that includes my dogs right now because they don't look beatable. And I thought that they were going to be one. And I'm not. I don't want to talk about the Bama Miami like Bama Miami game. That's not one of the games I like. But I took a bunch of notes on it. And basically, all it is is Miami can't match Bama. Miami can't match Bama. Miami can't match Bama. So if you're a Miami fan, all that hype, but, but you know what I mean. Like just throw it out the window. It was it's Bama. You know what I mean. Like they're really really good. For a, you know, for a bunch of reasons, and Bryce Young looked amazing. But the game I want to talk about is actually Oklahoma Tulane. Um, Oklahoma, based on this, what did we hear all off season, man? Oh, hey, wait, wait till you see Oklahoma's Oklahoma. defense. Yes, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. No, they finally got that defense right. I think you might have heard that from me too. <laughs> I was pretty high. Dude, on I drank defense. the Kool Aid on it because yeah. I was like, yeah, Benito. Yeah, okay, they might got something cooking. They look really good mm. against each other in the spring mm-hmm. game, right? Okay, so this I just want to just Tulane put up 35 points on them. Yeah. It was tied after the first quarter. If not for a sudden burst in the second quarter, 23 to nothing, Oklahoma loses this game. And you can say what you want about how, and that's at home. It's in Norman. Yes, really cool of them to like invite Tulane because of all the hurricane stuff going on. They didn't really have a stadium. They were practicing away from their home. They were kind of in the buses for like 10 hours. Um, Tulane came ready to play, so there's no excuse. Oklahoma was on their home turf, and you let a team that really has no right to be on the field with you drop 35 on your incredible SEC-like defense? Yeah. No, 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 no. You, you <laughs> get the fuck out of here with all that noise. Okay? It's You, you, you don't have an SEC defense. Okay? Because SEC team would never let that happen unless it's called Vanderbilt. And maybe, maybe last year's Kentucky team. But this year's Kentucky team, their defense is actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. So, anyway... Oh, um, Mississippi State, oh, South Carolina. Oh, no, no, not even, them, not even them. Arkansas. Oh, half the SEC doesn't have an SEC bad. defense. You stop talking bad about Arkansas right now, sir. They're going to shock They'll some get heads. their shot at Texas. They're going to turn some heads, man. So, anyway, real quick, though, yeah, they dropped 35 on them, and all we heard all offseason was how this amazing Oklahoma big red machine is coming through. They're going to they're, – no one's going to score more than 10 points on them, blah, blah, blah. Okay, well – Rattler looked, yeah, he went 30 for 39, so he had, you know, a completion rate of just, I think, what is that, uh, just under 80%. Okay, cool. Um, or just over 80%, 304 yards, one TD, but the two interceptions, Matt Pratt outplayed him. Or not Matt, but uh, Michael, Pratt, Pratt. Michael Pratt outplayed him, like, the entire game. 27 for 44, 296 with three TDs. Tulane had, uh, the only thing I can think of that, like, to use as, I guess, an excuse, and it's not an excuse, it's it's in favor of Tulane, is they had all that emotion mm-hmm. that they played with. They wore their heart on their sleeves, and they put on their pads, and they put the heart over their pads, and then they just played, and they, they really did leave it on the field, and I was super proud of these guys. Like, if you're a Tulane fan, man, be proud of your guys, because the Green Wave came and literally should have beaten Oklahoma. Like, I... I couldn't. I couldn't believe it. And another really cool fact is all the proceeds and ticket sales that Oklahoma made on that game went to Tulane. Awesome. So that's really cool. Awesome. And that's the only cool thing about this game that I saw from Oklahoma's point of view, though. If you're Oklahoma, you need to be hitting the panic button this week. And I, I don't care that everybody's like, "Oh, it's a week one rest." No, it's not. This, this, this is very bad. Like you can't have. You can't expect to drop 40 on everybody. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and the way Spencer Rattler played, he's lucky that it was against lesser competition because someone in the Big, T- or the Big 12 would have picked him apart in Iowa State, in Iowa. Even mm-hmm. a Texas would have just been licking their chops for, for all the mistakes that he was able to make. And I, I just, going back to what we said earlier about how Spencer Rattler and this draft class didn't look very good, he's the forefront of that. Like, he, he didn't lose the Heisman because his numbers were pretty good. But he lost the Heisman. You know what I mean? Like in the sense of this is his only he's, – he's only allowed to have this game. And he needs to never at throw a multi-interception game again. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I think that if he, if he really does want the Heisman, because you can sure lose it. And we saw Justin Fields pretty much lose it after one bad game against Indiana. So it's like, okay, cool. Um, but in the sense of I'm really concerned about Oklahoma and they do not belong in the top four. 
I'm just going to say that right now. They're not they're not one of the four best teams in the country. Even with their explosive offense and Hazelwood and Mims and Brooks, you, you're led by Rattler, and Rattler is a distraction at this point, I think. And it's a lot to say, but... Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, the, I remember watching the UCLA-LSU game. They mm-hmm. kept talking about how, well, LSU, they're going to, like you were saying, they're going to play on their sleeve for the hurricane victims. No, the team that did that was Tulane. Mm-hmm. That was not LSU. Yeah. And I agree with you. It, one thing that you didn't mention, that uh, Michael Pratt absolutely outplayed Spencer Rattler. That kid is a freshman. Yeah. <laughs> freshman. He had, in addition to the numbers passing you talked about, 34 rushing yards and a yeah. touchdown. Yeah, Tulane might be an up-and-coming program here. They may be really turning a corner here. If you have elite quarterback play, you're always in the mix, for sure. Yeah, so they had 396 total yards. Mm-hmm. Tulane was four for six on fourth down. Oklahoma just could not get them off the field. No. Uh, Oklahoma's top tacklers, uh, Delarian Turner, uh, Turner Yell, mm-hmm. a safety, and DJ Graham, a cornerback. If your top tacklers are in the secondary, that's a problem. Yeah. Is that a problem? Yeah, that's absolutely. a problem. But if you look at there was only 100 rushing yards from Tulane, but the, the fumbles lost. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to that. That's what shot Tulane in the foot. Yeah, no, and they were, they were all three were Michael Pratt. Yeah. If he just holds on to those balls, or two of them, yeah. they, maybe they win this game. You I might, agree with you. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think Oklahoma's lucky to be one and no, they shouldn't be. Um, but that's my team. I, I know it was kind of – it was. I wasn't trying to – necessarily bash on Oklahoma as the, as the program itself, but that's embarrassing. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. if you have all these expectations as a, a playoff team, yeah. you should roll. No, they've got a clean team. And, when I, and Lincoln Riley knows that. Absolutely. I can see it in his face. Yeah, yeah. But so then I've got uh, the LSU at UCLA game. And uh, fascinating, I think, that these two teams have never played before. Mm. Last year, LSU, the 2020 LSU defense was the worst in their program's history. Mm. In their program's history, well, defense was the story early. Ali Gay got an early sack for LSU. Uh, defense was the story for UCLA. Mitchell Agood had an early sack. Max Johnson um, got the start for Ed Ogeron, mm-hmm. who maybe people didn't know is the son of Super Bowl winning quarterback Brad Johnson from Tampa Bay. Yeah. Uh, the real story, though, was the same as kind of you know, week one for UCLA. Uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson is not that dude. Mm. He is not that dude. He's a decent game manager. Yeah. But everyone was trying to hype him up like he, you know, he was going to be this slash, this Cordell Stewart or this. No, he's not that dude. Mm. They're winning by playing exceptional defense mm-hmm. and running the ball a ton. Zach Charbonnet, the transfer from Michigan, had 11 carries, 117 yards, and a touchdown. And Britton Brown, the transfer from Duke. So in two games, between the two of them, they have, what is it, 397 yards and six touchdowns rushing. Hmm. After not being factors at all for UCLA in the first game, Dulcich and Phillips finally got touchdowns. Yeah. Late passes from Dorian Thompson-Robinson, the game the game was already kind of in in hand. Um, I, don't, I don't see him... He could be a problem. Yeah. He hasn't, you haven't seen him do the turnover game just yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but if it comes down to him leading a game-winning drive, and he does not seem to have developed a whole lot in the past two years. Yeah. But UCLA is going to be a force to be reckoned with. The Pac-12 South is really up in the air. Colorado looked yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Arizona State looked pretty good. Utah was unimpressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I think they ulti- ultimately ended up winning like 40-7 to seven or something like that. Yeah. But USC looks really good. Yeah. And late Arizona actually looked much improved against BYU. Yeah. Um, Again, I go back to something I said in a previous podcast. LSU cannot find a replacement for Clyde Edwards-Alaire. No. They had 11 carries for one rush yard at halftime. Jesus. They finished the game with 49 total rushing yards. It, it blows your mind. Like, what are you doing? I mean, uh, so... I mean, they get McNeese, McNeese State next week. Yeah. And they need McNeese State yeah. next week. Yeah, absolutely. They got to really figure out that running game. They do. They have to figure out the offense as a whole. And they also... Losing Eric Gilbert hurt them. Losing... I mean, there's a lot of... There was a lot of question marks kind of before, but you were kind of like, okay, like, you saw some of the players that they had coming back. You're like, okay, maybe it's second year. I mean, my my biggest question is, does Ed O'Dron get fired? Like, I know... <laughs> I he... It's hard to believe two years after a national championship, right? Yeah, and and don't get me wrong, he's like he is LSU. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They love him at LSU, and they can't. And the players really do like him. And but there's been a lot of things coming out. But you know what I mean? The woodwork about LSU as the program. There, are some people 
in the in the athletic department aren't happy with him. Some people right. are. That like I wonder if all these distractions. My 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 legit question to you would be: Does seven wins keep Ed Ogeron? Because I I'm looking at the schedule, and unless there's another schedule out there, I don't see seven wins. You know what I mean? Like unless there's one that like will come down from the Space Jam universe that they're just like, oh by the way, play all these teams because. Or maybe a hurricane is like, you know what, we're going to make you play here and here and here and here. I just don't... I, based on that performance, and I know it's a week one, you know what I mean? Like, But UCLA kind of solidified themselves as a Pac-12 contender, for sure, with this big, you know, potentially, you just say it, it's an upset, over LSU, a team that should have rolled them. And they looked terrible, mm-hmm. you know, in all phases. The fact that they were able to put up that, you know what I mean, like more than 10 points, okay, you know, that's a miracle. Yeah, Max Johnson is not, just like I said about the previous game, Max Johnson is not that dude, unless you thought he, and the unfortunate thing, kind of similar with Colorado's situation, uh, you had uh, you had two quarterbacks competing. Mm-hmm. Well, the one quarterback, not Max Johnson, obviously, but the other one, they ended up breaking his arm. So you don't have a viable alternative. Yeah. And so everybody's like, well, iron sharpens iron. Well, the problem is when you're working with glass. You know what I mean? Like they're not iron. They're, these players aren't good. Iron is elite level players yeah. that go against each other every day. When you have glass, you know what I mean? Like you're just hoping to shape it into something that looks like a cup. Yeah. To your to your question earlier, I think I see five games that they should definitely win, and then it's going to be tough. What can if they, they, can they win at Kentucky? What? Based on what yeah. I saw from Kentucky? No. Yeah, I don't know. Not either. right now. Yeah, I don't know either. What if they lose that game? That's what I'm saying. Is there any possibility that Ed Ogeron gets bought out by season's end and replaced? If they go 5-7, and seven, I think he might. Yeah, absolutely. Yikes. I mean, Auburn jumped off of Gene Chizik two years after they won the national title. Mm. But that's because they had Gus Mel's on, and they thought he was the yeah he was the dude. And but they lost, you know, losing was it Cam, Cam Newton? Yeah, yeah, they lost Cam, Michael Dyer or whatever. Yeah, and his knee didn't touch the ground, so they were able to win. <laughs> so that's okay, against cool. Oregon, yeah, yeah, buddy. Oh my god, <laughs> I remember that run too. I was like, he's not. And their old defense stopped. And the refs stopped, and yeah. they were like, "Well, what do we? We didn't bowl the whistle." Oh technically. my god, yeah, because the guy was out of breath running up the field. That's why. Yeah. So, anyway, um, moving on. The game that I want to talk about next is uh, I, I. This is gonna. It's gonna sound like I'm bashing all these teams. For this podcast, I am. I'm feisty. Like I'm pissed. But the fact that these fan bases have been saying some really, really stupid things, I'm gonna call them out. Notre Dame Fighting Irish. I'm calling you, you and your fans out. You guys don't know shit. Your team is awful. F- flat out awful. Overrated every single year. If you somehow go undefeated, okay, you know what I mean? Like, you have a really, really tough schedule, but you're not. There's no way in hell you're going to tell me that an FSU team comes in and takes you to overtime and is able to go punch for punch with you. In the first quarter, 7. Second quarter, 10-7. Then you pull away 21-6 in the third quarter, and then Florida puts on, after they replace their quarterback, 18 unanswered points, and you're eight, and then in, in the first overtime, you win by a field goal. Okay, you're not a top-four team. You're not even a top-ten team at that point. Cincinnati is better than you. I'm just going to say it right now. They would roll you. They would they would take you to the woodshed and just and make you beg for your mama's stick. You know what I mean? So it's like one of those things where I just can't. I, I'm just so sick and tired of Notre Dame fans saying, this is our year, we're the best team. No, you're overrated and you don't belong in the playoff ever again. Like, flat out. Um, <laughs> I, I'm just like I, like I said, I'm feisty today because of this game. Like I I was forced to watch this, and I I knew I knew that I was like deep down this is gonna be it was a beatdown. You know what I mean? I was like, okay, Notre Dame's kind of kind of doing well, and then the third quarter came, and you're like, all right, this game's over, mm. right? And then all of a sudden, Notre Dame does what they're really good at, and they blow the game. And you, they're like, well, we beat Clemson. You got lucky that Trevor Lawrence wasn't playing that first time you played him. Okay. Well, and DJ Uyunglele has been exposed as yes. not being Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, so. absolutely, absolutely. Okay. So, uh, I mean, you, there was what you didn't even have a player rush for over fifty yards. One of your player, Michael Mayer, was the reason you guys won. He went off um, one hundred twenty yards. 
But Jack Cohen, we we talk, he's actually a pretty solid player, but I think he fits in the system that, that Notre Dame has. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, you know I'll throw in that pick, whatever. But four TDs, three hundred sixty yards, twenty six thirty five. That's pretty solid. But I'm going to go back to this again. You can't let Florida State come in, and you're a you're a top five program in your in your minds, but in reality you're probably you're ranked eighteen to twenty five. That's that's where you're, that's where you belong, I think. And that. Everybody's like, well, that's way too low. What are you doing? They, that's where they deserve to be after a 41-38 to 38 win in overtime. I just don't see how Notre Dame is this amazing school with, you know what I mean, like football program. I just don't see it. And every year we get proved right. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I just... I well, they're going to have chances to prove... Their schedule actually got easier this week because, <laughs> because uh, Wisconsin lost. Yeah. Then they have Cincinnati. Cincinnati looked good. good. That's the game that I, I just said. Cincinnati would roll you. Perfect. October 2nd, keep your at 12.30 p.m. USC right. doesn't look like world beaters. North Carolina lost. You do play at Virginia Tech, but then you finish the season at Stanford. Stanford mm-hmm. just got beat by three touchdowns by Kansas State. Yeah. Okay, so the strength of schedule does not look quite as ominous as previously thought. However, I, I think... I, th- I think I saw things just a little bit differently. Yeah. It was close and competitive in the first half. Mm-hmm. I think when Notre Dame went up 18 points, I mean, you heard the announcers talking about how they went to, like, three down linemen, and on every snap their players were leaning back. And they it was just it seemed to me like kind of a classic prevent. They, they shifted their mentality That's... into kind of protecting – uh, you know, it's it's sort of that dichotomy of are you trying to win or trying not to lose, right? I think it's trying not to lose. And that's who they were for the last quarter and some change. That's stupid. Why? I agree. Why? And, <laughs> and obviously, I mean, they, I think, man, they locked out, to be honest with yeah, you. If did. that game would have gone another overtime, yeah. I think they might have lost. I think Florida State beats them. That's my point, though. It's like, okay, is it on the coaching? Yes. In college football, it this is a – especially if you're Notre Dame – you want to leave no doubt, right? Mm-hmm. Why are you taking your foot off the gas on defense? I don't understand. Show some pride and say, yeah, we just put up 18 on you guys. You're not going to score again on us. I agree with you. I, uh, Brian Kelly's comments after the game, although they were comical, uh, I think he's dead wrong. Yeah. The, the, the comments about, oh, basically it's the player's fault. No. No. No, that would... A player or two can choose to, to take it easy or quit or whatever. When they all do, that's a coaching thing. That's a locker room issue. That's yeah, yeah that's a, like or that's it's, a coach's or it's the coach has told them back up, keep everything in front of you. What if, like they change the game plan? <laughs> that blows my mind. As a coach, would you ever say, "All right, okay, guys, repeating them so bad. Let's take it easy." No. Yeah. No, because you want your players to go out there and execute. You want your players to go out there and play the game that they love to the highest level of their ability every single down because this doesn't just mean a game it's these kids future yeah. you know what i mean no i agree uh, but i think on on the what? on the side of florida state let me just say i think mike norvell is the guy you have your coach he, clearly they play hard for him mm-hmm. that kid jordan travis that started the game at qb i can't, i it befuddles me why they did not start mckenzie milton but but Jordan Travis is the future. He's only a sophomore. Mm-hmm. I thought he played pretty well. He's athletic. I mean, he had three interceptions, which is that's terrible, true. and that's a young new quarterback yeah. situation. But you know, he has the athleticism and the you know the the stick to itiveness, and I think kind of the intangibles mm-hmm. that he's going to be a good future for Florida. So I, I'm telling you right now. I think this Florida State team might be turning a corner here. But and then one last comment on time. One, yeah I know <laughs> one last comment on Notre Dame is they could not get Kyron Williams going as a running back. Mm. You mentioned I mean he only had forty two yards rushing and yet Jack Cohen stepped up and did what he had to do at quarterback. Mm. I think that that's big for them. The defense stepped up when they had to. Isaiah Foskey played great. Mm-hmm. Um, he had some. He was one in there getting pressure in overtime, that that uh, really confused and uh, offset um, Mackenzie Milton from Florida State. Yeah. Kyle Hamilton is the truth at safety. He's projected to go number six in the NFL draft. I think that that he certainly <laughs> looked like he was yeah. two interceptions. Yeah. 
Uh, and then you found a new target in Michael Mayer, the tight end. Yeah. 120 yards and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. I think there are positive takeaways, but I think any Notre Dame fan, they know what you're saying. Yeah. And, and yeah. In their heart, Absolutely. in their core, they're yeah. like, Listen, what was the spread on that game? It was probably there was, two touchdowns. I would say it's got to be at least 17 points, or right? 14. Yeah. So they know. They underperformed. Yeah. But, you know, you survive in advance, and so yeah. we'll we'll see. Cool. I mean, you, yeah, you got lucky. That's literally what it, what it came down to, just like Oklahoma. Fun so, to have college football on Sunday night, though, wasn't it? <laughs> You're right. Um, yeah, so what what, uh, what game are you going to cover next, man? You... Well, so now it's my turn to eat some crow here. <laughs> I have been really, really high on Indiana and boy, oh, what a dud they laid on Saturday. And I have to give immense credit to Iowa and to Coach Kirk Ferentz. I mean, this is a dude, we talked about this in a previous podcast. It was right before the 2020 season mm-hmm. that there were like racial allegations yeah, and this yeah. and that about coaching staff. And they had a trainer and they ended up having to remove him. Uh, I mean, it, it was a real uh, cauldron there. And, uh, man, they seem to have weathered it. Um, Indiana entered the season ranked number 17, and I thought that was too low. Yeah. I thought that was too low. Yeah. Well, huh. no, they certainly did not perform. Iowa controlled the game from start to finish. Mm-hmm. This was a very good Spencer Petrus game. Yeah. Very, very good. Which, which By that, what I mean is he's kind of like a Greg McElroy. Yeah. You know, and so you at his best, you want him to operate the offense and, and make good reads, good audibles, find the open guy. He's never going to wow you. He had 145 yards, zero touchdowns, mm-hmm. which is – but that's okay. No interceptions. Yeah. Had some com- important conversions to the tight end. Uh, uh, Laporta, five receptions, 83 yards. Tyler Goodson, watch out for him yeah. in the in the running backs. Doak Walker conversation. 19 carries, 93 yards, and a touchdown. It doesn't sound like a Especially ton. Especially because Brees didn't have a very good week. Brees did yeah. not have a very good week. Yeah. And they're going to get Iowa State next week. Hmm. Iowa State, or Iowa's defense was suffocating. Seth Benson, Jack Campbell were everywhere. Uh, Lucas Van Ness, Noah Shannon uh, were in the backfield all day, speeding things up for Michael Penix. Um and then, obviously, the two interceptions for touchdowns, Riley Moss. Mm-hmm. You know, areas of concern, I would say, for Iowa, they were only 4 of 12 on third down, mm-hmm. and they had the two lost fumbles. Mm-hmm. But it didn't matter because their defense was just exceptional. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah. Indiana offensive coordinator Nick Sheridan was completely befuddled the entire game. They couldn't game. do anything. They couldn't do anything. Every, Six points. Every adjustment was four plays too late. Iowa corrected them to them quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Big Ten wide receiver of the year last year, Ty Freifogel, had 80, 84 yards on five receptions. That's just not going to cut it yeah. from in, from Indiana. And early on, you know, like you mentioned earlier, uh, a receiver did the wrong route. That might have been like the first pick six for Michael Penix. Yeah. But then he tried to press too much. Yeah, I think so. And it just got out of control. They put in Jack Tuttle. Like, yeah, late, yeah. Um, super late, but like. It was one of those things where it was like, ooh. <laughs> and, I, and I thought Stephen Carr, the transfer from USC at running back, was going to really help them at all, a lot. Yeah. But they really couldn't get him going either. No. And so, man, Iowa State, hey, this college game day this coming week, Iowa at Iowa State, yeah. I cannot wait. That'll be a good game, especially because, you know, Iowa might be for real in the Big Ten especially. Like, they should I be think, the favorite in the Big Ten West. Yeah, right now, right now. Right now. Um, yeah, it, with with Petrus doing what he's able to do, uh, but it wasn't like they asked him to, you know, throw to the moon. Mm-hmm. They only He only did 13 or 27 mm-hmm. for 144, 145 yards. His average was 5.4 a throw, so it was like, I mean, you know, based on that, it was like, alright, just game manage. Just game manage. Mm-hmm. We've got a really good run game. We've got a really good game plan going in. Good gap schemes. Um, Indiana's not going to know what to do with this, and they just really, they, they didn't. They didn't have an answer. Um, yeah, I think you hit on the head. Michael Penix Jr. didn't show up. I mean, you have a 14.3 QBR. You know, like, that's not very good. <laughs> um, but, you know, three picks. He was able to complete 14 of 31 for 156 yards. Um, Stephen Carr got 19 carries, so he was definitely the you know who they wanted to be the bell cow. But those those pick sixes, you know, and it was I think it was 21-3 when they had one, um, that just any momentum that they could have gotten, yeah. you know, into their sales mm-hmm. at that point was taken out. Yeah. Like, so it's just if you're Indiana, it's very frustrating because you had a ton of high hopes. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you're not out of it, obviously, like, you know, but it's not looking good. You know what I mean? Like, especially if you come out next week, and who do they have next week? Who's that? It's Indiana, Indiana plays Idaho, Idaho, so they'll have a chance. And then you it's, have Cincy. It's back to the drawing board, but you got a chance. Yeah. You better figure some things out against Idaho because Cincinnati looked phenomenal yeah. week one. Did yeah. they not? They did. Desmond, Desmond Ritter, Ritter looked like the truth. Desmond didn't he? Ritter is, is the is the truth. Yeah, he's a very good player. Um, so moving on, and I figured this would be kind of a good little 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 end off of you know the highlights of the games we talked about because we were both watching this game intensely. With our we are with our family, um, it was here at the house. We hosted it. It was a lot of fun. Hope you like those little chicken, little, little chuck and tacos. Delicious, yeah, delicious. Really we still got some extras if you want some. Teach should open a restaurant. <laughs> um, Clemson, Georgia, man. So a lot of people were like, "This game is boring." I was, yeah. If if by boring you mean you're hooked on every single play because you don't know when that when that breakout play is going to happen, then yeah, it's boring. Or if you mean by boring by Georgia stunning Clemson's offense and keeping them at negative two rushing yards and sacking DJ seven times, then yeah, that's that's boring. Or if you mean that literally all we heard about Clemson was their offense is going to be great under DJ. We saw what he was able to do against Notre Dame, who's overrated. We saw what he was able to do against BC, who's BC. He's never played a defense this good before. No, this, yeah. he's never played a team this good before. Kirby Smart had a game plan coming in, and a lot of before you before you freak out. Who's there was no huge place. No, there really wasn't. But because how you beat Clemson, they were running zones all night. Mm-hmm. Like they everything was in front of them. You have to play the East and West game, which means quick throws, checkdowns, screen, receiver screens, running back screens. Uh, Brock Bowers, I want to th- I want to call him out as the tight end, a freshman tight end that came in and seemed to be every time he needed a first down or a big catch, he was there. JT did miss a couple throws. I'm not going to say he was he played JT what we're used to seeing. No, no, he didn't play very well. Um, did throw that one pick. Outside of those three bad throws, though, he wasn't bad as far as getting the ball out and where it needed to be at the right time. I mean, 22 for 30, it's 135 yards, so he was at 73% rate. His completion rate has always been in the 70s, so he's going to make the right throw. But I want to flip the script over to Clemson because this is about Clemson's offense and Georgia's defense. Yeah. Georgia's defense is already making a case for the best defense in the country, I think. Totally Big agree. Jordan Davis um, couldn't be blocked, double teams, triple teams. And I was worried because the the very 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 first series, Tate Rowledge, the offensive lineman for Georgia, the back uh, the starting right guard, went out. Like he's out for the year now. Like yeah. so, you have a backup center, you have a backup guard, you have a backup tackle. What are you gonna do? You're just gonna dink and dunk, and you're gonna just you know find ways to get in a field goal position. They did miss that field goal that would have made it 13-3. Um, so the the offense was able to do some things against Clemson, but Clemson had no answer for what the game plan that Kirby Smart had. And it makes you wonder, does this loss take Clemson out of the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, well, that's what I was I was wondering that, too. I mean, not to change the topic. I, don't, yeah. I certainly don't want to. This is the no, game no, no. of the week. But, I mean, who's who takes the ACC mantle now? I mean, North Carolina lost, Miami I, lost, I, Clemson I, lost. I still think Clemson's going to win the ACC. I yeah. still do. I think, I think Clemson's too talented not to. That's what I'm saying. Clemson will go potentially, what, 12-1? and 1? Are well, they, they, they? Georgia goes, you know, they, 14, 15, and 0. Yeah. No, Clemson does not have a very difficult schedule. No, that's what I'm saying. I think Clemson's going to win out. I don't think Clemson has another loss on their schedule. So my question is, does this did this loss mean more for Clemson, or would it have meant more for Georgia? Because early leading up to this, I was like, this. I don't feel like a loss for either team will hurt their chances. It just means you have zero room for error moving forward. But it feels like because Clemson's strength of schedule is terrible. Even if they win the ACC, if Georgia goes on to say Georgia takes a loss or two, it it wasn't against, it, but it, and it's close. It hurts Clemson worse. You know what I mean? I think this yeah. loss takes Clemson well, out. I think completely. if Cle- well, uh, I don't know. I think if Clemson just because of their brand, if they went out, they'll be in. I I I, I don't think it would have taken either. I, I think what this tells us, yeah, with Georgia winning this. Is you can pretty much book it. There's going to be two SEC teams in the playoff. If 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 they both go undefeated. Well, I mean, it. 
I mean, you've also got Texas A&M. Yeah, well, yeah. You know what I'm saying? A&M is able to do what what they do. I mean, yeah, so I think you're back in the dilemma of potentially like a 2017 where it's like you have a one-loss Bama who lost to Auburn. Georgia ends up playing Auburn, beating Auburn in the SEC title game. They win the SEC. Bama's in. Georgia's in. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that 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 is... You just That is... Except exceptionally more likely now. Yeah. And, and well, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, unless unless three other teams go undefeated, a one loss Georgia with a win over Clemson, yeah. or a one loss Bama, they're getting in. Yeah. They're getting in. And maybe even if there is another undefeated, I mean, if it's an undefeated Utah, if it's an undefeated top seven I, team, I think. Yeah. I mean, like, I, like week four, if you're in the top seven and you're undefeated, you have a really good shot. Because chances are pretty high that one of those teams is going to take a loss for sure. Yeah. And you can kind of jump them as, as number four. You know hey, what I mean? Going back to the game, though. <laughs> oh, man. Clemson. Clemson had, I'm going to say this very clearly so everyone can hear it. Clemson finished the game. Clemson. Clemson. Who's won two national titles in the last, whatever, five years. Clemson finished the game with two, count them, two rushing yards. Yeah. Two. Rushing yards. They averaged three three yards a play. So it was three literally three yards in a cloud of dust for Clemson. I mean, th- this was. I know people wanted to see more out of JT Daniels, but yeah. this this wasn't like a beatdown in that you know somebody's pummeling on you and you're trying to defend yourself. This was a beatdown in that like <laughs> Georgia put them in a straitjacket and was just rolling them down the street <laughs> in a in a in a little uh, Red Rider yeah, cart or whatever, right? Much. It was like, like yeah, it wasn't time. moving fast, yeah. but there was nothing they could do. Absolutely, yeah. The memes I'm seeing is, is basically like the Clemson's tiger paw is really a dog paw. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, because oh. Georgia smacked them over the head. You know what I mean? Like, so it was, yeah, Kirby Smart's now the Tiger King. We can call him that. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, let's give credit. Christopher Smith, the uh, 74-yard pick six, mm-hmm. I mean... That that was the big play. I thought I thought Zeus White played well. Zamir, yeah, Zamir Zeus did play really really well. He finally had that. And I we need you to ice the game, ice the mm-hmm. game, and he trucked that corner when he yeah. got outside. And I think it was like that. It was like a toss, or it was a it was a zone replay, and he was able to get through the first uh, the first like part of it, and then he, the second at the second level, he was able to just kind of impose his will. There's been a thing going on. If he wanted to play for kids, he would have had one. You know what I mean, like. So basically, he just yeah, he was able to impose his will. It's really good to see that run game do what they did. Gives you a lot of hope. I am a little concerned though. If they're going to bounce back this the week, they're playing UAB. Georgia is. Um, so you want to see JT Daniels have a two three hundred yard game, be, you know, play out by the first half. Um, that's what we all kind of want to see. But like I said, going back to the game plan, it was a lot of this is what they're giving us. This is what we're going to do with it, and they knew that going in. It was we had a game plan and we stuck to it. So kudos to Monken for having that um, that offensive game plan for him, uh, not putting JT Daniels in, in a you know a terrible situation. But there was, I mean, it wasn't like I said, it wasn't like Georgia wasn't able to drive the ball on them. Mm-hmm. They were. They got in the red zone a couple times, and JT just overthrew uh, Brock on a, on a potential touchdown because he was wide open, just let it sail on him, and then the you know missed the field goal, and then he was able to. There was two other bad throws that he had that were over the middle of the field that you're lucky didn't get picked, but you know the safety he just looked off the safety, so he's still doing right things. It's just one of those things where you want to see him have a better game. Obviously, like yeah. stat wise, you really do. Um, well, don't. Don't get too cocky over UAB. Georgia should win big. But UAB is not a great team, but their strength is on their defense. It's a Tulane-Oklahoma potential game, for sure. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I don't think it'll be that close. No, no, no. no, no. But I'm saying it's potentially. Like, you can't overlook a team like that. No, I wouldn't look You have to go in, and now that you have that momentum for Georgia, you just wonder. So many years they've been... Recruiting with Bama, they've been keeping up with Bama in the sense they've jumped on Bama in certain games. You know, up mm-hmm. pretty much I think it was seventeen and then twenty-one nothing at half. Is this the win that gives them the faith that they can compete with anybody at any given time? I hope so. You know what I mean? Like I mean, you just I think wonder, so. and because there's certain moments in in the seasons and a regime or coaching regime that you're like, all right, guys, we finally figured it out, mm-hmm. and only the season will tell. Obviously, you're just hoping. You know what I mean? Like uh, at least I am. If you're a dog fan. Hoping that this could potentially be the year that they actually do live up to expectations. 
Well, um, you want to jump yeah. into our top four here, Absolutely, then? man. Yeah, so I All think right. that's a good segue. You, can, you kick it off. So the how they have it is um, Bama's one. I saw I saw it earlier, and I, I yeah, want Georgia was two. Georgia's two, um, and then A and M is not three, which that that's not okay with me. Um, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Oklahoma, yeah. and then with Texas A and M and Clemson on the outside looking in. That's the AP poll right yeah, now. That came out today. At, I think it was two. So coach's poll is exactly the same. Yeah. So oh man, uh, the first two are right. I think. You might not agree. You might have Georgia one, Bama two, but I, I'm just basing it off of Georgia was. If Georgia had put up like you know 21 points on Clemson, I would absolutely agree with you because Bama didn't play anybody outside of you know it was Miami. Like they they did what they were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Georgia played Clemson and took them to the woodshed. You know what I mean? So it's like okay. Um, so I would have, but I think one and two is correct. The only issues I have is Clemson shouldn't be at six. It should be. Bama, Georgia, A&M, and I know that sounds SEC biased, but it's it's not because those are the three best teams. And then you have Ohio State, and then I would put Cincy at six, and I would put um, Iowa at seven. Just based on the what I was able to do, that big win. Um, those are those are my that's my top six. So the first two out would be Cincy and Iowa, um, and then you would have Bama, Georgia, A&M, and Ohio State one through four. CJ Stroud, I'm not really a believer in that his mechanics just look terrible to me. His throwing motion just is really bizarre. Um, but, you know, he was able to get the win, which is awesome. And he did put up some really good numbers. So it's like, okay, cool. But, yeah, Bama's still the team to beat. And I wrote, like I said, we're going back to the notes earlier about Bama and Miami. Bama's overmatched. Uh, Miami's overmatched. Miami's overmatched. Bama can't, or, uh, Miami can't hang with Bama. Is Bama beatable? Or, uh, yeah, is Bama beatable? And I'm like, at this point, I don't know. <laughs> well, you remember... Uh, Maybe a couple podcasts ago, I was saying all the production that they'd left with Mac Jones yeah. leaving Najee Harris, Waddle, Devontae Smith. Well, guess what? We're now introduced to Jamison Williams, mm. 126 yards and a touchdown. John Mechie, 76 yards and a touchdown. Those are the two new wide receivers. And a new junior tight end, Cameron Latou, 43 yards, two touchdowns. Alabama's offense had 501 total yards on offense. So I was wrong. They just rebuild. <laughs> yeah, they just reload every year, and that's Bama. They reload. That's what I meant. Credit to their development and their coaching staff, and they they did switch. They fired their trainer, who's now at Georgia, the head athletic trainer. They're doing some stuff with like medicine based. Um, uh, it's like it's called medicine based science, not science. It's called medicine based. Um, what's the term? Uh, it's like when you're. It's not. It's not working out, but it's like the other term for it. It's like medicine based. Um, Workouts, yeah. yeah. We'll just say that. Okay. So it's like that, and they're doing a lot of stuff with um, nutrition is really a big factor in it. A lot of a lot of schools use a nutrition plan, but they're doing something new, and you just wonder when that comes to light, really what it's all about. Are the are the other teams going to play catch up to it again? It's Bama basically being Bama, and they're just ahead of everybody right. else in one thing, and they're going to keep being ahead, and they're going to keep trajectorying upward as long as Saban is there, which is great. If you're a Bama fan, you know what I mean? As a Georgia fan, you're Well, I think fan. Georgia's catching up. Well, yeah. first of all, okay, so my top four. Uh, first of all, Bryce Young, he earned that endorsement money. 344 yards, four <laughs> touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Uh, holy crap, that's a freshman. <laughs> Alabama, number one. Georgia, number two. I also have Texas A&M, number three. A little hesitant on that now. Yeah. Because Haynes King did not look great. Mm. They're, they're a new quarterback. Three interceptions. Uh, but they have a new weapon that developed, Devin A. Chain, 128 yards, two touchdowns. So they have a ton of weapons. Haynes King needs to not be turning the ball over, mm-hmm. except for next week when they play Colorado. I want him to have seven <laughs> interceptions. And look, I will not complain <laughs> if AM takes that loss. <laughs> and, then, and then my fourth most impressive team of the week I, is Iowa. Yep. I just oh, I so you have them above Ohio State. I have I Oh, absolutely. Okay. I, I Because I think Sp- Spencer Petr. Petrus is better at what he needs to do than C.J. Stroud appeared to be. Yeah, Stroud may get there, but uh, that's who I got top four right now. Yeah. Probably outside looking in, I've got Ohio State next, mm. and then I w- I guess I would go Oklahoma. But I agree, Cincinnati's right there. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, dude. I mean, I was that team that you're really like, okay, they could potentially be. I mean, they went out there in the top four for sure. 
because um, Ohio State's not there. Um, and then, but you just wonder, it's like, are people going to be like really mad about having that SEC bias? Um, you know, but it's not, I don't think. Let me just give you one last tidbit here before we close out for the podcast. Check this out. Marshall. It's a team we were really high on, okay? Mm-hmm. And the guy, Grant Wells, at quarterback, 67%, 333 passing yards. Zero touchdowns, but their freshman running back, Rasheen Ali, 59 rushing yards, four touchdowns. Jeez. <laughs> kid, kid's a monster, man. Yeah, so just real quick, uh, right now the, the how the media has it is Alabama is one, Georgia is two, Ohio State is three, Oklahoma is four, AM is five, and Clemson is six. And then uh, Cincinnati Notre Dame is seven and eight. Uh, Iowa and Iowa State are, so Iowa State's nine, and then Iowa's ten. Um, and those two play pretty soon. So thank you so much for, this has been the fan section. Uh, we talked about a lot of stuff today. We highlighted all of the games that we kept an eye on. Um, next week we're going to talk about the, or not next week, but coming out this week a little later. We're going to highlight the a couple teams we want to watch, just a couple games we're going to watch. We're also going to figure out who won the, the, the little side bet we yeah. had as well. And then um, we're going to get into our uh, our actual picks for next week coming up, man. So thank you so much. This has been the fan section hosted by Alan and Tyson.